Lines. Welcome back to Fault Lines with Nixon and Stranahan on 105.5 FM and 1390 AM in Washington, D.C. We have with us now the founder of independent news website 21st Century Wire. It's Patrick Henningsen. Good morning, Patrick, and welcome to Fault Lines. Hey, great to be with you, Garland. Great to be with you. Uh, Lee is out today. He'll be back tomorrow. But we do have Jamal Thomas from the Progressive Soapbox. So, you know, the reason I wanted to get you on, I'm, I'm looking online and I'm like, what in the world's going on? It appears that uh, Patrick Henningsen and or 21st Century Wire is facing uh, some uh, uh, censorship and restrictions. Fill us in. What what happened? Um, and, 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 and where are you guys now with that with that Facebook issue? Yes, uh, I tried to share an article from 21st Century Wire, I think it was on Thursday. And it was on Syria. It was a factual news article just saying about the Syrian army's offensive going into Idlib in the coming weeks. And uh, uh, a notice uh, popped up on my screen saying that uh, you are in violation of community standards and that you will not be able to share content until January 22nd, 2020. And uh, I've received these bans before on a weekly basis I think the longest one was 10 days in the past. It used to be on a kind of rolling basis. Every 10 days, it would receive a ban. And it's difficult to know how and why this happens. Uh, There could be uh, an algorithm. We could be on a blacklist uh, that the Atlantic Council has provided to Facebook because, as we know, that they're advising Facebook on how to combat hate speech and disinformation online. So as the Atlantic Council has uh, published papers attacking us and articles attacking uh, attacking us in the past, and I, I assume that we're on a black any blacklists that they're providing to Palo Alto, uh, to Facebook, and uh, or it could be people who are gatekeepers uh, who are f- reporting abusive content every time that I post an article or anytime anybody posts a 21st century article, uh, it'll be. Uh, flagged as a violation of community standards because there's people waiting for us to post and then they just automatically report it. So I've lodged about five or six complaints uh, with Facebook. Hopefully a human being will read one of those at some point and uh, go back and look at any of this content. I said, show me one violation of terms and conditions, one violation of community standards in the last 10 years. If you can, please, uh, please show it to us uh, because I don't think we have. I've been very careful uh, about that sort of thing, uh, because I can't afford to lose Facebook as a as a community or a tool as a social media network. It's very important for uh, getting the information out and connecting with people who are interested in the sort of topics that we cover. So I, I, I make a point to uh, play by the rules, but it seems that somebody's not playing by the rules, either Facebook or gatekeepers that are out there abusing the platform. Let me ask you this. It, it, you know, when people, libertarians, when they're making this argument about the 1%, missing the point that, you know, when they're screaming about censorship and how it sucks, well, you have corporate America for the most part that becomes gatekeepers in regards to speech. I mean, ultimately, these things are our commons, and you have ultimately gatekeepers, part of that particular 1%, that it makes these kind of decisions on what they should or shouldn't, what's okay, what's not okay. And truth within the context of this stuff is not a defense. Or shutting people down based on political beliefs, even if they're not Nazis and all this other stuff. What do you think should happen? Meaning, do you think the First Amendment should be expanded to social media? Do you think they should be nationalized? Do you think there should be policies or laws that protect speech online 
from, again, what has become, I would argue, a digital commons. A very difficult question to to ask, um, Jamal, because technology changes everything. And we wouldn't be having even having this debate uh, 15 or 20 years ago. It just wouldn't have happened uh, because this tool isn't here. This reality, this new reality doesn't exist. So with technology uh, comes all sorts of other capabilities of people and groups, good actors and bad actors, to take advantage of this technology to distort uh, what's really going on. And I think that's what we see a lot of the problem with social media is distortion, uh, that uh, you can have well-funded lobbyist groups or uh, covert government programs like the Integrity Initiative, uh, which is actually a government-funded disinformation uh, network. That's in Britain. But in the U.S., you have similar things with military. And not just that. I mean, the thing that they tried to do with Twitter, where they were trying to get a Twitter thing in order to create a revolution in Cuba. Well, we've got to add this too. a couple of things. Recently, it's come out that one of the executives for Twitter is a member of a British um, basically uh, intelligence operation for online, you know, uh, uh, controlling the online conversation. Um, it's come out recently that there's there's a, a, a there was a there was a program that was run that found that a, a whole bunch of um, edits for Wikipedia came from like CIA headquarters and FBI headquarters. So they're out there doing their work. It came out there was a, a stories a few uh, 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 earlier this year that I covered where there was. Um, the it's the, it's the there was an Israeli operation where they had like college students and a bunch of people that they were basically paying to be online and be their online tools, you know, kind of their correct the record thing. So I think, Patrick, what what's what's coming out to me is this, you know, it's a, it's a Machiavellian thing where you where you accuse your enemy of whatever your greatest weakness are, is. We're looking at people who have these gigantic online um, influence operations, people like New Knowledge who got caught, you know, creating bots and, 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 and calling them Russian bots and then saying and then directing them towards somebody and saying, look at all those Russian bots directed towards people. What we're looking at, I think, um, Patrick, is the things that we are being accused of in trying to get out just our research and our, our, our investigative journalism. We're being accused of doing the things that the deep state and their intelligence neocon operations are really doing. What do you think? Yeah, you're you're 100 percent correct. All the examples that you just listed, Garland, are are valid and they're absolutely applicable to what we're trying to argue here. And I th- I think what needs to happen is there's there's two. What needs to happen is Facebook needs to manage. They need to manage this issue, and managing this issue means they need to uh, listen to uh, complaints by uh, bona fide media outlets. Uh, if they're being uh, suppressed or censored, or if they're a victim of uh, online abuse by gatekeepers reporting all their posts, flagging all of their material, so it looks like you know calling it fake news and etc., they need to be responsive to that. They also need to be uh, aware of all of the uh, organizations which you just mentioned, Garland. And so the danger is here's the big danger: if the political intelligentsia at Facebook in Palo Alto, if they are in cahoots or they have overlap with some of those organizations like New Knowledge, like Brigade 77, like the CIA, okay, if or any of these other uh, think tanks like the Atlantic Council, which receive money from the Gulf and the defense contracting industry, the very people that we're opposing uh, in a lot of our uh, worldview and how we report things at 21st Century War. Okay, if Facebook is overlapping and has conflicts of interest with those organizations that I just mentioned, then we have a huge problem. Then we have a huge problem. And then at that point, I, I don't know what the answer to that 
question is if if they're if, unless they can purge themselves in Palo Alto of these influences of state and Quango agencies and agents of influence and and big money that are that are their agenda is being imposed on the rest of us in terms of censorship and suppression of information if facebook can't deal with that problem then it it's then up to the public i think it, then facebook must be treated legally as a public commons right there and then yes at that point you you default to the first amendment and then go from there i don't know what the answer would be after that but I think we have some systemic issues that need to be addressed and they're not being addressed. You know, I take this kind of like the radio, like back in, you know, back in Nazi Germany, FDR used it in for these kind of fireside chats, whereas Hitler used it for propaganda. The people didn't necessarily know this new technology. And so everything that came out of that radio seemed to be true. And, you know, right. It's a disruptive technology and your environment changes, meaning just because you haven't had that technology and to account for all of those years doesn't necessarily mean you need to update rules and regulations and laws, and even in the way that we view this stuff in order to accommodate the technological change that has taken place in the way that we organize ourselves and engage. First Amendment, honestly, I, I, I default there. I know what you mean. It's a painful experience to have some faceless God to make a proclamation that may or may not be true that you can take that may have political edges associated with it. You do a video and Elizabeth Warren, they demonetize it. And you're like, wait a minute, why is this video getting demonetized? Who's at the buzzer of that to click that button in order to do that? Do I know the political ambitions? The process is entirely non-transparent. Same thing true with your case. What was your video on Syria, by the way, that got demonetized or that got um, you taken it, down? It wasn't a, it wasn't a, um, I mean, a video. video. It was sorry, just an article. Yeah. Yeah, it was just an article. It was just an article. That triggered it. But, you know, for the last uh, week before that, we've been exposing uh, illegal weapons trafficking with uh, working together with a Bulgarian uh, journalist named uh, Diliana. Uh, Gaitanjera, who was on your show, uh, Garland, last week, mm-hmm. and uh, and that got a lot of traction. I mean, a huge amount of traction. And I, I dare say that that probably upset quite a lot of people by the amount of people that have become aware of this story that weren't aware before. And uh, and funny enough, it uh, Liz Warren addressed this very issue, uh, and when and she tweeted out the CNN article. They they seem to have admitted now this has happened mm-hmm. uh, with regards to American procured arms into the hands of of ISIS fighters in Yemen, but they were very unspecific. They didn't call it ISIS fighters. They called it al-Qaeda affiliates, and they said it was an accident. So that's how the mainstream spun this story. Fox but it, did that story But apparently also, enough pressure was, was put. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying Fox did that story also, by the way. Fox came out yeah. with a story months ago where they said, you know, Obama was shipping weapons. And of course, it's Fox, so they want to ding Obama. But they essentially was like, these weapons ended up in the hands of ISIS. The Independent in the UK also did the story, essentially saying the capabilities of ISIS exceeded what they would get off the battlefield. Well, one of the one of the things I think, if, if we look at it here, one of the issues that we have is, and that's that the, they're fighting the truth. You know, Tulsi Gabbard's been saying for I don't know how long, you know, the, the Stop the Arming Terrorist Act. And yeah. she's saying in a debate, oh my gosh, they're, they're, they're arming terrorists. This comes out. And one of the things that's going on and one of the reasons that you're being um, uh, uh, censored here is because these are powerful narratives and that, to, to me and that they don't want people to understand these power, powerful narratives that contradict the neocon lies. Patrick. Yeah, sure. I mean, if I was just doing partisan uh, politics or, you know, either for Trump or Bernie or whoever, they, they, they'd probably leave us alone. You know, I don't know uh, if I was just making ranty videos or whatever. But, uh, you know, we try really hard and work really hard at to great expense, to great personal expense as well, 
to try to do uh, a really good investigations, good analysis, um, breaking stories in some cases. Some things that we've uh, worked on, that we've worked hard to push to the surface, have become national, international news cycle stories over the over the last couple of years. So we have had an effect and impact. Uh, but by the same token, we don't. I don't have the the tools, the legal tools, the the funding, you know, the the support mechanisms to fight uh, and to do battle with with someone like Facebook or Twitter or uh, or Google when they suppress our content on searches or or wherever. And so, you know, it's it's very difficult. It's very difficult. You really feel it's like it's a David and Goliath type situation. Um, but. But yeah, I mean, it, it it comes back to the the technology argument is 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 pivotal here. You know, uh, be, they use excuses like uh, uh, marauding uh, Charlottesville neo Nazis online and some of these cutout groups in order to impose blanket censorship algorithm policies right across the board. And the problem is, it's a global policy when Facebook enacts it because this commons is global now. It's not just your local community protesting against a hate group or someone that someone you don't think belongs in your community, which happens all over the country. And that's their constitutional right of every community to sort of police their commons in their local area. But the problem with social media, it's global, it's transborder. Uh, then any changes, any policies are, are international immediately with the stroke of a keyboard. And that's quite a lot of power uh, by very small number of people in Silicon Valley are wielding a tremendous amount of power there. The the, the case that I, I I would I would advocate that people um, read over is Prune Yard Shopping Center v versus Robbins v Robbins in California. The Prune Yard Shopping Center that's an interesting case. It was a state case. Some things were found in that that wouldn't apply federally, but it does get back to the issue of the public commons of a public place where people can come together and talk, and that even though it may be privately owned. Such as a mall, people still have their rights to free speech. And that's what I believe has happened with, you know, the Facebooks, with with social media. They become, uh, you know, common areas um, where people can get together and talk. And I think once you have a public common area, a publicly common era, area that the um, the First Amendment becomes, you know, the umbrella that, that protects everyone in that common area era. Once again, we've been talking with Patrick Henningsen. Patrick is the founder of Independent News website, 21st Century Wire. Thank you very much, Patrick. And we will see you back again soon. We got two more hours. Kevin Shipp, former CIA guy, is going to be here to talk about plenty of stuff. We also have Robert Driscoll, who is, guess what? Maria Butina's attorney. He'll be on at 945 to talk about Maria Butina. Going to be interesting to see what happens with interviews with her. Yes. We'll be back. Two more hours. Garland Nixon and Jamarl Thomas. Tomorrow, Lee Strandhan will be back. You're listening to the most disruptive radio in the Milky Way galaxy. It's Fault Lines with Nixon and Stranahan. Fault Lines.